Hello everyone, I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a very special brand new episode of Hi Jinx with me, Jinx Monsoon. Today, my guest is my mother. She gave birth to me. She raised me along with my grandma and my aunt. Uh, she's a very lovely, charming, silly, goofy person. And I am so excited for you to get to know her better. We're going to talk about all sorts of things. The haunted house I grew up in. The complications and celebrations around my birth. And um, what she's doing these days. <laughs> what projects is she up to? What dreams are or she working on <laughs> all that today and more on hijinks so buckle up hunker down and sink your teeth into some brand new hijinks m oh m mom Hello everyone, I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today, my guest um, is someone you may know. She was born in Frankfurt, Germany. She worked at the uh, district attorney's office in Portland, Oregon for many years. Oh my God, correct me. Okay, she worked at the U.S. Attorney's Office for, in Portland, Oregon for many years. Uh, she uh, attended U of O uh, studying theology and she gave birth to me. It's my mother. Hi, Mom. Hi, Jeans. <laughs> I can't believe you corrected. I mean, I'm glad you corrected me. You worked at the U.S. Attorney's Office for many, many years. Um, I was too young. I didn't know the dis the difference between a district attorney and a well, one's US county attorney. and one's federal. And I did okay. the federal. Well, I that would make sense. District, yeah, okay. Anyway, <laughs> you uh, you were born in Frankfurt, Germany, on an army base, right? Isn't that yes. where you? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that, Mama. Well, I don't remember <laughs> anything. We left when I was. Well, six I know you were old. a baby. <laughs> I know. Well, you had yeah, joint citizen um, your joint citizenship your whole life, and you had to give it up to work at the U.S. Attorney's Office. Did yeah. you miss your German citizenship ever? Um, no, I never used it. But when I was in Germany, I was treated really well. They loved me. I think because, <laughs> <laughs> because it said "born in Germany" on my passport, and I got yeah. treated very nice, <laughs> nicer than France. <laughs> They didn't like me in France. Well, let's not generalize, but yeah, I, that all makes sense. That tracks. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> um, uh, anyway uh, Mom, so when did you, you, you were born in Frankfurt, Germany. Um, you grew up on army bases with Papa and Nana, yeah? Um, until I was about three, because um, mm -hmm. your Papa left the Vietnam War. He was going to re-enlist and serve another um, tour, but your Nana didn't want him to. She said they'd get divorced if he did. So he came home, <laughs> and we lived in Georgia. Then we moved back to Portland, Oregon, and we lived here until I was about four. And then we went to South Carolina, I mean, North Carolina, and then Georgia, and then back to Portland. Oh, and Oklahoma and... somewhere in between those places. And then so... What age were you when you really settled down in Portland? I was, I turned 10 the year we moved back. So I was nine when we came back to Portland. And so I've been living here since I was nine. And was that in Nana's house that I grew up in for yes. my first five years of life? Okay. The so. haunted house on Lad Street. Yeah, let's talk about this house, Mom. Now, this house was very significant 
um, to me in my early years. Um, you and I lived there with Nana until Jeremy was, or until before Jeremy was born, right? My little brother. Well, I kind of <laughs> moved around because um, your dad and I kept breaking up. <laughs> oh, yeah. We were always together. in and out of apartments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was the whole tour of apartments when we, we'd we move into an apartment with dad. A little and time would pass. Up. We'd move back in with Nana. <laughs> yeah. We did that quite a few times until you were about four. Then, well, no, I can't say that. I think you yeah, were <laughs> about four because... I was living in that house. Uh, I was living in Nana's house before kindergarten. Right. I feel, yeah. Um, let's talk about this house. It was a okay. gigantic old house in Portland, Oregon. Portland has some really, really beautiful, very old, like hundred-year-old houses. And this is in Lats Edition, which is one of the historic neighborhoods of Portland, Oregon. And my great grandfather, my mom's grandfather, Grandpa Irwin, um, owned many houses in Portland. And this was a house, he gave it to Nana, yeah, when, as well, like a no, he didn't give place it to, to her. raise her family. She was raised in that house, though. Um, oh, okay, so that's the house she was raised in, too. Yeah, he, um, he sold that one right before he died, which I tried to get him out of because he got ripped off, but we won't get into that. <laughs> Your dad was involved <laughs> in that one. and um, Of course. Anyway. <laughs> so she moved into the other Lad Street house, which was on the other side of Lad, the big circle. Mm -hmm. um, but okay. you lived in the big house from when you were first born until you were about Oh, I don't know, one and a half. And that's when we started moving all over the place. We moved to um, your Uncle Mark got your dad a job at the apartment complexes that he worked in. So we moved down to Palo Alto, California until the big 89 earthquake, which scared me to death. Mm. So I moved back to Portland and then that's where we <laughs> stayed. But did you want to talk about so the haunted house? Yeah, I want to hear your stories of the haunted house. I... I did a podcast with my friend, um, um, Ross Hernandez, and um, uh, she asks people about their ghost experiences. And I talked about the haunted house, but only I could only talk about the stories that I remembered and the stories that I had heard you tell other people. But I would love to hear from your mouth the stories of the haunted house, because I think growing up in a haunted house had a huge effect on my um, open-mindedness to spirituality <laughs> in my life. <laughs> well, um, the ghost really liked you. I think Missy thinks there was about two or three ghosts in that house, but um, mm -hmm. I know one time I had you in a playpen upstairs and I heard you talking and I went in and you had toys that I hadn't given you. And there was nobody else in the house. So the ghost gave you some toys. That was one of the things. <laughs> and then there was um, every night at around 10, 30, 11 o'clock, almost the same time every night, you'd hear footsteps across the um, porch. And then you'd hear mm -hmm. the handle, you know, like someone trying to get in the door. And I would be sitting in the living room talking to friends and they'd say, oh, Deanne, someone's at the door. And I'd be, nope, that's just our ghost. And they're like, no, I heard them <laughs> at the porch. I mean, I'm walking across the porch and I'd say, I'm going to get up and go to the door, but there's no one there. It's just our ghost. And every time it was just the ghost. And then one time it threw a vodka <laughs> bottle at me. One time it threw the iron across the room. And one time it played with the Christmas stockings, trolled it way up in the air. Those were my experiences. I remember, I remember hearing about the Christmas stocking a lot as a kid. Yeah, because um, that was the really creepiest one. You also, I remember hearing that there was a guest room that anyone who stayed in the guest room would wake up in the middle of the night feeling like um, there was pressure on their chest, like someone was um, pushing down on their chest or yeah, sitting on their chest. Like that, um, oh, what is it called? Um 
sleep paralysis. Like sleep paralysis? Yeah, yeah, it's like everybody who stayed in that room would end up getting sleep paralysis. Um, Dina refused. One time, she it happened to her, Mark's girlfriend, and she refused to ever come and spend the night at the house again. And a lot of people <laughs> didn't like walking um, past the room. We'd have to watch them at the top of the stairs as they went into the little bathroom, because the way the house was mm-hmm. designed, there was just one little toilet room, and then the big bathroom with the, <laughs> with the sink and the bathtub in it. Yeah. And so um, I remember. Yeah, <laughs> people would be so scared to walk past that little room to get to the bathroom. I, you know, I think it's because of growing up in that house and spending so much time in Nana's other house as a kid. I've just, I love big houses. I don't like mansions, really. Mansions are too big. I just like really, really big old houses made out of wood. (laughs) Yeah. And lots of wood everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so lucky. People paint over the wood, but anyways, (laughs) I tried to strip all the wood in our house and I never did get it completed, but. <laughs> the fireplace Port- looked nice, anyways. Yeah, the fireplace did look nice. Portland has great houses, I gotta say, and I really lucked out with my house because it's bigger on the inside. When it integrate, it looks smaller on the outside, but then you go in and it's quite it's a got lots of room. large house. Yeah. And you have high anyway, ceilings in your house, aren't they? Like nine or ten downstairs. Feet? downstairs upstairs we're all hunched over it anyway um (laughs) do you remember um our dog shiva who was my first pet do you remember what i said when um i was told that she had been put to sleep no i don't well wake her up (laughs) (laughs) that must have been a discussion with you and aunt mimi I don't remember. I, I, I believe so. And I remember, here's one thing I really appreciate about my upbringing is even at an early age, because I, I remember this conversation and I believe it was before I started kindergarten. At an early age, I, you know, I asked where Sheba was. Mimi said, Sheba's been put to sleep. I said, well, wake her up. I want to play with her. And Mimi said, no, put to sleep means she got very, very old and she was too sick to be healthier and enjoy her life. So we put her to sleep and um, that means she's dead and she's not here anymore. And Mimi explained death to me like then, then and there. And I remember you explaining where babies come from to me at like age six or seven, (laughs) just in the middle of the night, everyone in our family really talked to me like an adult starting at a pretty young age. And I don't know. I mean, um, (laughs) I find um, with Chloe, with my niece, Chloe, I just talked to her, you know, like how I would talk to anyone else. I, I watch my language, of course, but I think when you allow kids to have big thoughts, they you, they surprise you with their capacity yeah. to have those big thoughts. You know, like when I explained non-binary identities to Chloe and she seemed so bored, but then she went home that night and explained it to everyone else at her house. So <laughs> kids are capable of understanding pretty complex things if you give them the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> I think so, too. Yeah. Um, any other fond memories of that house before we move forward in our lives together? (laughs) (laughs) I, what I really loved about it, um, was that no matter what was going on, if we needed to be safe, I could always take you and, and your brother there and later Jacob too to the other house. Mm -hmm. If I always felt like I could be safe and, um, that's what I really loved about it. It just felt like, you know home and ever since then I haven't really felt like I've had a home because we just spent so many years there even our house that I bought from grandpa I I mean I felt like that one was our home but it was just always nice having that big house to um (laughs) retreat well I think I think you're the big house yes but I think you're also you know a big element of both of those houses was Nana being there and Nana was the kind of 
she was the mom to everyone. She was a mom to you. She was a grandmother and a mom to me. And um, she always, and every one of our friends, every family friend, just everyone who found themselves in that house was an honorary child of Nana that day. Yeah. And she always had the house so full of food. She always had a pantry full of, <laughs> no, you know, tons and tons of food. <laughs> oh, I loved going shopping with Nana. It's why I'm addicted to grocery shopping today. And she always had a sheet cake. She always had a sheet cake just made and ready. And it wasn't like a fancy sheet cake, but she just always had a sheet cake made. So she always had cake to offer people. <laughs> <laughs> and those chicken legs she loved making oh my gosh legs. oh the last couple <laughs> years of her life all it was was chicken legs constantly drumsticks it was her favorite thing <laughs> um i have told the story of my birth a couple times and oh. i can't do it justice um so i'm gonna have you tell the story of my starting birth from right the very beginning if you like i mean yeah might as well i'll chime in not, uh, you know, like, see if you can keep it to 10 minutes this time, but um, <laughs> let's talk about it because I've told the story a few times, but I just don't think I can do it justice the way you or Mimi could. So um, well, why don't we start at inception? Um, <laughs> inception. <laughs> because, you know, you, you were in college, you were in your final year of college, right? Yes. Or you had just come back from your tour of Europe. Yes. Right. And I worked, yeah. um, I worked in Portland for a year to pay people back for the money I borrowed to, mm -hmm. um, be able to eat while I was in Europe. And, and that was um, odd fellows. You worked at the nursing home. Then? No, was that I then? worked at tower record at that time. Well, the video, part, uh, good tower old video. tower record. <laughs> and you and Tammy would go on and on about tower oh, record. It was such a fun <laughs> job. It was the best job. And <laughs> We always, nobody um, that we worked with really liked the um, new wave music that was going on. We were the only two that was, that were really into it, like The Cure and Susie and the Banshees. So we always got those tickets and got to go backstage. So it was fun. Everybody else was kind of into the headbanger metal music. So that was fun. <laughs> Anyways. And then I went back down to U of O. And I was finishing up and I was studying elementary education. I was going to be a teacher. And I found out I was pregnant in the winter. You weren't studying theology? Was theology your minor? No, honey. I was. I thought you were studying theology because you wanted to be a nun or a Sunday school teacher. That's no, what you told that me. Was, that was, Did I get things mixed up? Yeah. I was doing um, elementary ed and I was going to minor in psychology. I really wanted to be a child psychologist, but I think I I filled in the blanks with theology because I knew how many times you thought about becoming a nun before you got knocked what? up. <laughs> I honestly thought I was going to be a nun if I couldn't have kids, and um, and then as soon as you found out you could, <laughs> you never stopped. Right. <laughs> uh, but I was I was at U of O when I got. Um, when I found out I was pregnant with you and I tried mm -hmm. to finish, I was going to stay there and graduate. And that was making your grandpa very, well, my grandpa, very happy, but I was so lonely. And it, of course, being the first time I was pregnant, there were so many changes, so many things happening. I just wanted to be with my mom. So yeah. I moved back to Portland that spring, um, and was with Nana. And so, yeah, that's why I didn't finish U of O. Plus, while I was um, pregnant working at the, at the grade school, I hated all those kids all of a sudden. I was like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I was like, God, these kids are just brats. I can't do this for a living anymore. <laughs> Which I um, loved them the year before when I wasn't pregnant. It was just being pregnant and my hormones. I just couldn't stand being around those kids. So then I was kind of like, so, what am I going to do? Let me ask you this real quick, because I've never asked you this. Um, so you made the decision to keep me. Um, you continued in school for a while. Do you have any regrets about not finishing school? Do you, do you wish you would have finished school even while pregnant with me? Do you ever have moments where... I wish I would have gotten... What my are your feelings around that? 
Well, I wish I would have gotten my degree, but I never really regret it that much because I was so, so excited about having you. And like Nana mm-hmm. would say, she's like, God, Deanne, I think you think you are the only woman in the world who has ever been pregnant because everything <laughs> to my body, everything, it was like, you know, I'd have to report on it, everything. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody else had a baby before me. <laughs> and Well, um, but- if there's one thing I've learned from our family it's that hoffers love talking about themselves it's why i have a podcast (laughs) oh my goodness yes but i never regretted it i mean i wish i had gotten a degree but like i said when i was out at the grade school and i realized i didn't want to be around a whole bunch of kids anymore i was grateful that i didn't get that you know that i didn't go into elementary ed (laughs) because <laughs> yeah. I was like either well, I can be a, a real bitch at school with 25 kids <laughs> or I can be a real bitch at home but I with three to, kids with, you well, can't do both I, I thought just you at first but I was like I don't want yeah. to be a grouchy mom which well I tried not to be. <laughs> hey we'll Except get there we'll the get screamies. <laughs> Let me ask you one more question, then we'll okay. move on. Um, my, uh, what about getting? Uh, do your credits still stand from U of O from all back um, then? What about finishing one year of college? Um, no, because I started to go back <laughs> to school, and they aren't. They sent me letters saying, you know, you have to finish up within this many years. I mean, I had until. Uh-huh. 90 okay. something i don't know if it was 90 so it's not like the movies we can't yeah. melissa mccarthy you and send you back to college right. and, <laughs> and you have a second a second adolescence and find yourself <laughs> yeah no it wasn't okay. like that at all Let's get to the party night that was okay. my birth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what happened? You were late. Um, your due date was September 13th, and this was the 17th. And I woke up that morning, and I was doing laundry, and I could tell that my water had broke. But it was only just a tiny bit. So I called Nana, of course. I'm like, this well, is there wasn't any left. I was a week late. All the water dried <laughs> <laughs> <Why> up. <laughs> well, no, what happened was, um, so then Papa took me to the hospital. We waited until around 11 because I wasn't really having really, you know, contractions that were really far apart. And, um, but by noon, it started hurting. So Papa took me to the hospital. And they used some type of tape to see if it was amniotic fluid, which they told me it wasn't. They said I was, I was urinating on myself, which I knew I wasn't. <laughs> and like I know the difference. I know when I'm peeing and when I'm not. And, and when so I'm having a baby, with, huh? <laughs> you know <laughs> the difference between peeing and having a baby. Yes, there's slightly different so sensations. <laughs> frustrated with the the nurses, I'm like, no, I know that it's my water from you know the sack and they're like well the tape didn't turn a certain color so they said okay walk around for an hour and we'll see if you're having contractions more so papa was trying to make jokes as we were walking i was just in pain um and we went back to the room i mean back to the labor part and they said well you've dilated some more and we've um they called the doctor to come in that was around three i think by that time and they said, um, the doctor's going to break your water to get things moving. <laughs> and when she... <laughs> With what, a hammer? How do they do that? With a the big, long needle. A hammer. <laughs> it's like a big, long, syringy looking needle. Okay. But when she okay. did it, nothing happened. There was... A, she's like, huh. Because it was all gone. <laughs> <laughs> I said, I know. I've been leaking water. I know that my water broke. And she goes, well, it didn't break. But you must have had a pinhole leak at the top because there's only water around the head everything else is pretty much gone because we should have had a big gush of water so i was i looked at the nurses like i told you anyway so Uh then labor started really happening um i mean the contractions and i started getting into a lot of pain i was i was 
so sure I was going to have you natural. I thought I'm going to be the best mom in the world and I'm not going to take any Mm. drugs while I'm giving birth until I started having contractions where there wasn't any breaks at all. And I finally said, oh, I think I'll just have that epidural after all. And your dad was screaming down the hall. She wants some medicine because he was really stressed out how much pain I was in. And I got my epidural and life was good. I couldn't wait to see you except for you got stuck in the birth canal. So you couldn't come out. (laughs) And while, while we were waiting, people just kept showing up to my room. There was Nana and Mimi, Aunt Tammy. Marty. Oh, yeah. Marty was yelling at me that I couldn't have you yet because you had to be born on his birthday, which was the 18th, not the 17th. (laughs) And as soon as he had said that, all my contractions just kind of like, I mean, that's when we found out you were stuck. So we were going to have to go a different way. Or thanks you know, a lot, Marty. Have you? <laughs> huh? I said thanks a lot, Marty. I know. I was so upset. <laughs> and then the epidural started wearing off, and people kept coming, and I begged her for more drugs. And so she said, "Well, if I give you another epidural, you're going to be numb from your neck down. Someone's going to have to watch the monitor, and when you're having a contraction, you're just going to have to push." And so Nana did the. Um, she was watching the monitors. And I had to push on my side, the left for an hour, and then the right side for an hour. And she kind of like kept trying to position you right. (laughs) And by the time I was ready for you to come out, there was at least 17 people in the room. I mean, there was our neighbor, her son. She dragged her son in there to watch me born. (laughs) There was... um, a girl that I worked with at Tower Records, she brought her mom. She asked me if she could be there because she can see her <laughs> grandchild being born. So, I mean, there was, just, there was people I didn't even know in there, but I didn't care. People living vicariously through you. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I mean, it was just like everybody was in the room. The only person who wasn't was your papa because I got too embarrassed when he walked in. So poor papa, he waited out in the waiting room. You sent him out because you didn't want him seeing your hoo-ha? Yeah. Yeah, that was, I <laughs> just got embarrassed over that. And then I felt bad later, but it was just kind of uncomfortable with him. I don't know. I don't know that I'd want my dad, you know, like yeah. getting the full show. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, they finally, she said, cause you were stuck there. And she's like, well, the part I didn't know about was, we were getting in trouble, like our heart rate and everything. And she asked, yeah. the doctor asked Nana, have you had any discussions with your daughter? Who am I supposed to save? Am I supposed to save her or the baby? And my mom's, well, Nana said, you save her. She can have other babies. Just save my daughter. But she was an amazing doctor and she got you to turn just enough. She used the forceps and she got you out, but you had a cone head when you came out. (laughs) But um, it was pretty amazing. I couldn't wait to hold you. And then you looked up at me like, oh, my God, you're my mother. You look so disappointed. (laughs) And I just stood there (laughs) holding you, looking at you, and you just looked like, oh, Lord, help me. I can't believe this woman's my mother. And thus began the comedy of errors that was our relationship. (laughs) No. Um, You know, I, of course, you know, have, uh, we've, well, uh, you and I have done a lot of healing together in like the last um, six or seven years. Uh, Drag race, of course. Do you remember the day I called you? And I was like, I have to tell you. I went on reality TV and I, um, I, I I went on drag race and I opened up a little bit about my childhood. So there's going to be, there's going to be some talks about some difficult parts of my childhood, but everyone's already heard those stories. What I'd really like to talk about now is that you are doing really, really well. You, you made a decision for yourself, which actually really inspired me to make decisions for myself too. My life has been just exponentially better for, for my own personal enjoyment of my life. It's been exponentially better ever since I quit drinking. And, you know, um, you have done so much work on yourself in the last like seven years and and you've been such a wonderful grandmother to Chloe and you've been such 
you know, it's just fun having fun with you, Mom. You're a Aww, fun person. So it's like a lot of fun that you and I have been having a lot of fun together these last few years. And um, Well, I thought we had fun when you were little, too. <laughs> well, we, ha we had fun when I was little. It was just the middle point. It was just the yeah. teenage years. I'd no, say that about, was really hard. I regret about 12, a lot about that. About 12 to 18 was our rough point, but then yeah. we got some distance from each other. And I'm here to say you can love your parents and still need some time apart. <laughs> no, I agree, honey. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. The, um, I, yeah, I have so many regrets over when you became a teenager. Well, it's like, I was, we're so not talking about we're not talking about regrets today. Okay. We're talking about the fun stuff. Okay. What I do want to talk about from those teenage years is that because of some of the friction that we had and some of the stuff that was completely new to you, I was, I was your oldest, I was your first, and I was queer, you know? So you were learning a lot of new stuff for the first time, just being a mom to me. And what I will say is, um, you did what every parent should do, which is <laughs> you learned from the experiences we had. And by the time Jacob, my youngest brother, came out to you, you were you handled all of that completely differently. Um, you were never there are horror stories about people coming out to their parents. You know, you were not a horror story. Well, honey, but I always thought you were when you were little. And then you tried to convince me so much that you weren't with your, your middle school girlfriend that you had, <laughs> Melanie or Mel I just wanted you. Uh, well, there were three. There is Kristen, Maddie, and <laughs> Rebecca. And I remember when I started dating Rebecca, that uh, Rebecca was the person I dated in middle school where I said to myself, if this doesn't make me straight, I'm just not straight. Because <laughs> I thought she was gorgeous. She was sweet. She was popular. We dated for a couple weeks at the end of middle school. <laughs> and you know what I found out at the end of dating her? I'm not straight. <laughs> I told you that before that. Well, what I'll say is you and, and you said this to me then and you've said this to me over and over uh, since then. And everyone in the family handled my coming out just fine. No one was that shocked. Everyone told me they loved me. It was a ideal coming out. I do remember, though, you were worried about my safety. I yeah, was in was public high school. It was a it was a tricky place to be queer, you know, at that time and at that age. Um, we got some unsettling phone like voicemails from bullies at school and stuff. Yeah. So you you were very worried about my safety. And, you know, as an adult in red, you know, looking back, I know that you lost friends of yours to AIDS. And I know that that must have been a fear in your mind. But why I said that you made, so it wasn't like you handled my coming out poorly. You just, you know, it was an adjustment and it was something you were worried about for, you know, the safety of your kid. But what I meant by you handled Jacob's coming out completely differently is that you were able to see, you know, that times had changed mm -hmm. some and that uh, <laughs> even though I had to deal with bullying, I was fully capable of taking care of myself. And I was raised by very powerful women who told me to speak up for myself. And I always <laughs> did. And would you say that your worry about me at school, um, Calm down a little bit after the umbrella story that day it that kid tried to steal did. my umbrella. <laughs> that was the most a kid, a bully at school tried to steal my umbrella, but it was my it was my nana's umbrella, and there was no way I was going to let him steal it. And so he grabbed it out of my hand, and he had me pushed up against the wall. I was in ballet class at the time, and I gave a bot ma kick to his wrist, knocked the <laughs> umbrella out of his hand pushed his arm off of me, grabbed the umbrella, quickly got away from him, and then called him a jackass, and everyone started laughing at him. And his girlfriend heard about this. His girlfriend was my friend, Mary, in math class. She heard about this and told him um, she's not giving him anything until he um, starts acting better and stops <laughs> picking on people. And because we were friends, and she's like, she told me, I'm so sorry he did that. I've told him, you know, he's going to have, he's in the doghouse now. And 
And then word got around that I was friends with all the straight guys' girlfriends, and they all stopped picking on me because they didn't want their girlfriends to cut them off from, you know, the benefits. So um, that's how I handled myself in high school, and that was pretty much the last time I got bullied. <laughs> well, yeah, hearing that story helped me a lot to not, I mean, I, I, I knew that you could take care of yourself just fine. And I didn't have to be around you to protect you from all the bullies in the world. So I had some more, you know, I was more relaxed about it, even though I still do worry, especially like, you know, the shooting that just happened. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start to cry just even thinking about it, but right yeah. before um, I mean, when you were little, there was that boy in, I think, Texas who was tied up and killed because Matthew Shepard. Yeah. And yeah. that I just cried and cried for weeks. And those kind of things just made me so scared for you. But I felt much better when I heard about the umbrella story and knew that you <laughs> were able to care for yourself. Well, you'll be happy to know that Ben de la Creme Presents has taken all the necessary precautions and up security at all of our um, events. But, you know, we're also, we're going hard on this tour. And if anything, we know how much members of our community need this escape to... Yeah to have, you know, still some happy holiday moments, even though uh, it is resoundingly cl clear that we're not safe in this country and that there's still plenty of people who want to roll back the the laws and protections that would keep us safer in this right. country. So um, anyway, <laughs> today is not about what we're worried about. <laughs> Happy talk. <laughs> <laughs>talk um just about you we've talked about mm. your relationship to me yeah you worked as a um paralegal for many years but you're also a talented artist and illustrator you had dreams of designing fashion in the 80s yeah. i remember those sketchbooks let's talk about some of these things where your interests have lied in life and um what you think you might want to do with the next half of your life well, <clears throat> I've talked a lot about starting to draw again, but I get so frustrated because it's something that you have to keep up with, almost like a, speaking a second yeah. language or, you know, a different language. If you don't keep up with it, you kind of yeah. lose some of it. So I'm trying. Mm -hmm. I keep telling myself every day I'm going to do at least 30 minutes to try to get myself back into it. And then I find reasons not mm -hmm. to do it. But that's my big goal <laughs> is to I really want to write a book for Chloe about Blossom, my mm -hmm. doggy Blossom, just so that she has yeah. something from me always. So yeah. I'm, I just want to start drawing again for that reason. Mostly I'd love to draw another picture for you that I ruined. <laughs> that flying <laughs> picture that I had drawn for my grandpa. Um, but that's, that's something I'd really like to do is draw again. Um, Allison is constantly painting and drawing. She does arts and crafts. During the um, pandemic, we had crafts every day. It was like, and Jordan was mm. still with us. And she always had a craft center. And we have lots of stuff. She does the resin. She does painting. Yeah. And so I want to get Allison is one of your best friends who you live with now. Yeah. Um, you two are very cute. You're a very <laughs> Bert and Ernie type <laughs> couple. I know. Um, everybody says we're like an old married couple. It's pretty funny. I mean, I'm the domestic you, one. She's the working one. And <laughs> I'm always cooking. And you two are... Your friendship dynamic is very similar to me and Kenny, and it's always funny to watch you two, um, with Allison being the Kenny and me being the you, obviously. But um, <laughs> uh, uh, I also, you know, I, um, <laughs> I got to tell you, there's moments now as I'm getting older and I'm kind of, you know, like I feel like I'm pretty settled in who I am. People talk constantly about how much they like my laugh and how unfiltered my laugh is. 
they don't understand that it's just a family trait. It's not like, <laughs> it's not unique to me. There are times when I laugh and I hear your laugh coming out of my body or I hear <laughs> like Nana's laugh coming out of my body and it freaks me out. And I have to tell you, whenever I play Meryl Streep in Drag Becomes Her, I'll do my full face of makeup and then I put on that blonde wig and I look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm, I'm Deanne. This is, I look exactly like you. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's amazing. There are some pictures where we look so much alike. And J Jacob always sends me pictures saying, this one looks so much like you, mom. <laughs> then, and I do, I, I did think about this and I want to bring this up, but I love our, I love me and my brothers as an example of the whole debunking the whole idea that you can turn a kid gay because they don't have a male <laughs> figure in their life or something. All three of us were raised by you, Mimi, and Nana. We were raised by the same three women. Jacob had a little less time with Nana because she and passed Grandma away. Linda too. And Grandma Linda and Aunt Tammy and Allison and <clears throat> we, but the point is it was all women. Right. I mean, Uncle Mark was there, but he wasn't in good health and he wasn't really like a fatherly figure to us. Our caretakers were all women and we had the same upbringing. And you have a full-blown queer child, <laughs> you have a straight-as-can-be child, and a bisexual child. So if that's not an argument for it's just in your DNA and it can't be helped, because Jeremy and I were only four years apart, we had the exact same upbringing, and he could not be straighter. He is the straightest <laughs> person I know. But he is so, he is such a good sibling to Jacob and I, and for such a straight dude to have zero male toxicity because he was raised by women and he has queer siblings. It's just Jeremy's kind of like the archetype of what men should strive to be like. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, you know, when I held you when you were first born, it was so funny because I gave you a football name. I've told you this a hundred times because I was so into football. <laughs> I know. I've I talked about it on this podcast. <laughs> you were going to be J.R. Lamar. It was going to be your football name. <laughs> I just love football. <laughs> but then, of course, as I got to know you, I realized that you were not going to be a football player. <laughs> but still, um, I forget. Oh, when I when you were just like not even a day old. I just knew that you were going to be like famous or, or you were going to be, you know, a lot of people would know you. Well, I was born to an audience. So you kind I know, of that's... set it up for me that way. <laughs> I know your life was a party when you first got here. And it almost seems like you <laughs> get disappointed when it's not a party every day. <laughs> that, I've grown out of that. I've grown out of that. I, I actually, I mean, I think, I, I think you can see when you come to visit me at the house and stuff, I like my days pretty calm. Oh, yeah, and especially now that partying and like having that party is a big part of my job in my, in my personal life, things are much more calm now. But okay. I remember as a teenager, I was just always wanting to do something. I was always wanting to be involved in something or doing a project or blah, blah, blah. And so I would sometimes like we'd have, you know, our weekends at home and nothing, we'd have nothing planned for the weekend. And I'd be like, I'd be like, mom, what are we going to do? Why aren't we doing anything? I'm bored. I'm bored. And you would say, you just got to understand that sometimes life is boring <laughs> and be okay with that. And now I really embrace the boring. I love the boring. I love grocery shopping because it makes me think of Nana. I shop the exact same way as her. I go up and down every aisle. Oh, I my gosh. My time. I get a big cart I can lean on. <laughs> <laughs> Stroll through each aisle on each, like, shelf. Yeah. So she'd, get, she'd stand for 10 minutes looking through the coupons when she first got to the store. And I used to say, no looking at coupons. You're going to go in, get milk and bread. Every time when I'd stop it, she'd say, go stop at Safeway. I need milk and bread. And I'd say, but mom, I mean, do you really need just milk and bread? Because I can stop at 7-Eleven or something. No, no, I have to stop at Safeway. And I'd be like, I don't want to be here for an hour. And the yeah. first thing she'd do is get her cart and the little coupon... <laughs> 
um, <laughs> newspaper thing. And, and you'd start, say, like, Mom, you don't need a cart. You're getting milk and bread. And she's like, no, I need to lean on the cart. I know, but she did. Every single time, she would take at least an hour and a half to pick up some milk and butter. Which made you and yeah. Jeremy happy because then you guys. Oh, yeah. We'd saddle up next to her. Treats. Yeah. We'd get up. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy, but he, he loved it. He'd always talk her into getting shrimp because I hardly ever bought any kind of seafood for you we kids. Were such, we were such little assholes. <laughs> like normal kids want a candy bar. We're like, shrimp, lobster tails. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. I'm poor Nana. When we'd pull up to the house, Jeremy would say, get ready, Nana, tuck and roll. And <laughs> she'd be like, <laughs> he'd be like, tuck and roll, Grandma, Nana. <laughs> I was in the car with you. Anyways. As... As we are nearing the holiday season, and I talk a lot about Nana's Christmas Eve parties at the house, which yeah, it's so funny. You've seen the holiday show many times, and anyone who's seen it, um, you know, the premise generally is Dayla loves Christmas, Jinx hates, hates Christmas, and it's about the that odd couple coming to terms with their feelings around the holidays. Right. What's funny, though, is... Dela actually, you know, Dela's childhood Christmases are not fun memories for her. And Aww. my childhood Christmases are some of my favorite family memories. <laughs> and we kind of play, we play opposite ourselves on stage. Um, Nana's, as we're nearing the, the Christmas, the holiday season, I'd love to talk a little bit about, I know... My grandmother, Nana, your mom, um, put on these huge Christmas Eve parties. Anyone who knew the Hoffers at all would be there. And <laughs> all the kids would get to open the presents on Christmas Eve. It was my favorite time of year. What was Christmas like before I was around? Did Nana always treat Christmas like that? Or what were well, your childhood Christmas? Before like? you were born, we always went to the Yoakums, my grandma's side of the family grandpa's girlfriends mm -hmm. she was my grandma common law common law marriage yes for <laughs> i don't even know 30 something years um yeah. and before you were born we would go there and spend our christmases and it was the same thing we'd have like a big you know buffet type dinner and everybody mm -hmm. would watch the kids open their presents and it was really fun and then we'd go home and and the big thing was in the morning you know, Santa Claus coming and then we just like lounge through the day. So I tried to, you know, <laughs> keep that going for you kids. And Nana turned it into, you know, we would invite people like Gail one year. She didn't Katie's Katie's mom. Mm -hmm. Um, I forget why her family couldn't come out, maybe the weather, but anybody who didn't have somebody to spend the holidays with, Nana would always invite them over. And plus, like Allison, I remember when her family came over, we would just try to have one yeah. big party. But um before yeah. before you were born, it, we did the same thing at the Yokums with the Yokums. Adam's yeah. family. Na yeah. Gay on cousin Adam's family cousin from the Adam's stories family. earlier. <laughs> um, you know, uh, and that I will, that is one of the things that I loved most about Nana is anyone who didn't have somewhere to be anyone who was going through a rough time. There were constantly friends crashing at her houses, she friends of Mimi's, friends of yours. Yeah. Friends of mine, she was constantly letting, you know, I was constantly, uh, since I was hanging out at the Queer Teen Center, you know, I was meeting kids who mm -hmm. were in transitional housing or needed, you know, just a, somewhere to shower for a night or something. And Nana was always, you know, we lived right next to the Queer Center, so kids would come over and get sandwiches and sometimes take a shower or crash for the night because they didn't have somewhere to stay. Nana was very, very sweet that way. Yeah. And it's a spirit that I've tried to take into my life and, you know, kind of the mission statement behind the holiday show that Dayla and I do now, Yeah. which is let's provide a, uh, let's provide a holiday celebration for anyone who feels like they don't have somewhere to be for the holidays or 
Um, so I love your guys' show. It's become a family tradition <laughs> to go to Jerry's show for Christmas. It's oh, wonderful. yeah. They put aside. Do you know how many tickets they put aside for me this year in Portland just to in anticipation? How many? Six, 25? 60. 60? 60, just in case. Oh. Just in case because we're playing at the Schnitzer. There's enough room. But I think, I don't know if it was 60, but they put aside <laughs> a, a because every year it's like first year, it was like, I need like 10 tickets for my family. The second year is like 17. And yeah, it's like, because, and it's one of those things where it's like, if I give a comp to this many people, but I don't give a comp to them, they're going to take it personally. So I got to give a comp to them. Oh, and then this family friend just happens to be in town. <laughs> She'd be so hurt if she didn't get to see the show. And instead of finding out how to make it all work, Ben de la Creme Presents just sets aside a huge block of tickets that's just called Jinx's Family. And you all sit together. We keep you in a group. We keep you contained. <laughs> well, I'm so excited about your Broadway debut. I, I know. And it's on Dream Come I was through. so worried. I was so worried. Opening night of Chicago with me as Mama Morton is on Jeremy, the Straight Brothers' birthday. And <laughs> Jeremy's the middle child, and he couldn't be more of a middle child. He he loves he he wears that title very well. And I was so nervous that he was gonna be like Oh, you couldn't open on a day other than my birthday? And instead he <laughs> surprised me. He surprised me and actually it, it made me tear up a little bit. But he said, oh my gosh, I get to spend my birthday seeing you on Broadway? That's been like a life dream of mine. Oh, and that makes it's me so, so sweet. happy. So, so the family, the blood family is coming to New York <laughs> for, for Jeremy's like birthday and my debut. <laughs> it is very much like that. You'll be riding on the rocking chair on the roof of the car. Um, Aunt Tam Mom, wants to I, feel really bad, too. And Well, I mean, listen, Kenny okay. already said, Kenny already said, they're taking care of this, so don't bring it up to me. I'm in the middle of I a know, tour. I know, I know, I know. I'm sorry, honey. I've been so much better, haven't I? Not just like calling you last minute when you're in, you know, doing yes, shows. Yes, yes, yes. I, I got over that whole, can you give five people some tickets? <laughs> my people favorite you don't was, even can, know. You, can you sign this poster for my dentist and their kids? <laughs> <laughs> well, my doctor, she asks about me all the time. That's why I had to get it for her. She still loves yeah. it. She's the best doctor, too. Mom, I have questions that I ask every guest on my podcast, so okay. I'm going to ask you these questions. But very, very first, uh, not very first, but sorry. But before I do, there are some questions my producer um, put here that I actually want to hear your answer okay. to. Um, one, how is it having a famous child? <laughs> it's amazing. I always knew you would be. <laughs> And I mean, you've always been famous anyways to me, but I knew that you were going to be, especially when you did your first play, being that spider, and you knew everybody's line and you could be whispering <laughs> in first grade. Remember that spider you played? Of course, you in made me grade. the spider costume. Uh, uh, you uh, made a black, you took a black turtleneck and then you so, uh, you put, filled, um, black stockings with news, rolled up newspapers, sewed the stockings to the sides of the shirt, and then um, did threaded a string, them. threaded them from the sleeve down through the stockings so that when I lifted up my arms, there would be um, uh, eight legs. Six, six arms. Eight legs, or I don't know. I, I don't know if I did exactly in a while. You had lots of Well, legs. whatever. <laughs> yes. I do but remember you that. You were everyone's lines not just your own you had everybody's lines memorized in first grade i thought that was amazing plus you were always singing you, you never stopped singing yeah. your little you were very surprise. very creative too 
Um, because you made all of my early um, Halloween costumes. Nana would always buy me a ninja costume. And if I wanted to go as something else, you would help me make it. Like you made my Aladdin costume um, out of felt and <laughs> felt and the bottom of a bleach bottle that you turned into the fez. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you made my wizard costume that one year where I, when I wore a a witch's hat, a cape, and one of your purple silk night shirts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I want to ask one more question. Okay. Um, what do you think of my husband, Michael? <laughs> I love Michael. I love I him so much. We got to I go to lunch do. together, and it was fun. I know. I, I know. The I first, the first time you met Michael, <laughs> the first time you met Michael, I think like, as soon as man. he was out of earshot. Yeah, you, you said, <laughs> you got to marry him because I always wanted to marry a British man. And now you have the chance. <laughs> <laughs> He's the okay. sweetest, most caringest person. I just love him for you. And you guys seem to <laughs> just bring out such good qualities in each other. So that's what makes me really happy. I'd have to agree. Um, and <laughs> but now, I love Michael. For my... <laughs> now for my compulsory questions that I ask every guest, um, and you may answer these questions however you feel. The first question is, who is your celebrity crush? Brad Pitt and Colin Farrell. What happened to Denzel Washington? When I was a kid, all I could hear was Denzel Washington, Denzel well, Washington. I know, but I don't know. Well, I guess he, well... I don't know. Colin Farrell, I started liking even more than that. <laughs> just because of his dark eyes. And uh -huh. Mimi thought I was talking about Will Farrell. And she's like, I just don't get that. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't see that, Dan. I don't see it. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. who are you You've all definitely. <laughs> you definitely have always had a crush on Brad Pitt. I know that. Uh, but I do remember you talking about Denzel a lot as a kid. Oh, yeah. Um, I did. Yeah. I, I used to love him. I still but do. Now, but but now we're on to him. Colin Farrell. That's fine. I mean, I have a new crush every day, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's another Hoffer trait. Yeah. <laughs> we get around. <laughs> My next question for you is, are you spiritual? Very. Yes. I, I was, I always say I was raised loosely Catholic. I was never confirmed, but I know the principles of Catholicism. And I, you know, um, I definitely have found my own spirituality, but I think a lot of my rituals and traditions are based in what I learned from Catholicism. I just treat them a little bit more like spells these days. <laughs> well, I, I mean, like you already know, I thought about becoming mm -hmm. a nun, but I changed my mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, all I ever wanted was kids. I used to tell Papa, I can't wait. I'm going to have four kids, which I had three <laughs> and I, and we're going to live on a farm and I'm going to have four. Hey, there's still kids. time. Huh? Well, no, There's no, no, time. there isn't. That's for me. And your papa would always say, "Well, what if your husband doesn't like, you know, doesn't want to live on a farm with horses and four kids?" And I said, "Husband, what husband? I don't need that." <laughs> oh, anyways, mm. but um, but I would you would. Would you say that you're, do you still identify as Catholic these days? Yes. I know I that your, your faith is based in Catholicism, but we well, kind of, we've taken some steps back as a family, you know? <laughs> well, I, I, um, the thing is I don't go to church regularly like I used to mm -hmm. because I got so angry with the Catholic church with all the priest stuff yeah. and how the, they covered up for those discussed priests and what they did yeah so when all that was coming out it made me like just you know i just didn't feel like supporting church because you know all the people that were hurt through that um as far as i mean i i use guidelines from it and mm. allison and i were just yeah. talking about the other night because i feel bad that i never got you guys your first communion we always talked about it 
first communion confession and all that. I was literally, I was literally just talking about this with the dancers last night. And I rem- I l- was talking about how we always talked about how I had to have my first communion and <laughs> be confirmed and it never happened. And I would say, I said to them last night, every time my mom would bring it up, I would secretly pray to God, please don't let me get confirmed. <laughs> so that's why we never <laughs> did I didn't it. Want, I was, <laughs> yeah, I was so, I was so scared of the whole idea of confessional. Like, I was so scared of confessing because I was so scared that, like, I mean, I was a kid, but I've always known I was queer. And I was so scared if I ever had to confess that I would tell the priest that I was gay or queer and the priest would tell me pr- to pray it out or something. I was so scared that once I heard that it was a bad thing for me to be queer, that that was it. That I would, because, you know, yeah. I did as a kid try to adhere to what you taught me about Catholicism. And it wasn't until my adult life that I really let go of any organized religion. Well, it makes me really upset that so many people, you know, make judgment calls like that because I, I, you know, as far as um, that people, that God wouldn't want two men to be married or two women to be married because that the teachings through, you know, the new Testament is completely opposite of all of that. And that's what I've tried to just go by mostly giving you guys those type of values rather than organized the church, because there's just so many things that um, I don't agree with that they try to preach on people. And I would say, I I would have told you if a priest ever said that to you, never to go back to them. And sometimes there's bad priests. (laughs) (laughs) This is like bad teachers. There's, there's, you know, not very good spiritual guidance people out there either. But anyways, I just wanted you guys to learn the basics. Well, one thing, one thing I want to say that I've never said to you before, but I'm going to say it to you right now. And it's truly how I feel. Um, What I love most about you, mom, is that, throughout your life, you have continually adapted and opened your mind and you, you've you never had a closed mind. And even though sometimes things like might scare you or throw you off guard, like it meant a lot to me because you always had conservative political views. You were raised by some, by people with conservative political views. You were raised by someone who was in the military for many years and a high ranking person in the military. And, you know, I was always scared, especially the, you know, the more and more like progressive and liberal I got in my adult life. I I was scared it was going to come between us. And instead, you really have kind of shifted your way of thought. You're not fundamentally, you know, like completely a different person, but you've opened your mind and and drew certain boundaries where you were saying like, you know, you had voted Republican many times in my life and then Trump ran and you were like, there's no way I can vote for this person. And you uh, just like what you were talking about with the church, you're someone who has faith, but you don't let that faith stop you from loving the people in your life. And that's all I ever want for people with faith, you know, who have strong connection to their faith. I have no problem with people who celebrate their organized religion. It's when a religion tells you that certain people can't be in your life because God doesn't want them there. I know, and that's when I'm like, <laughs> I that just goes so against what I think religion is all about, anyways. I don't know how anyone thinks they yeah. can be the authority on that, and they don't yeah. know what God thinks. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, how presumptuous, him. really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So um, I just wanted to, I wanted to pay you that lip service just oh, now because it's something you, that's actually, I, I really appreciated from my mom that she's been able to, you know, re-examine things, re-examine things, you know, at different points in time. And I've, you know, nothing has ever come in between us because we've always had an open mind for each other. My final question, much less heavy. What's your go-to karaoke song? <laughs> 
funny. You know that I don't you d- sing. <laughs> um, but it would have. I to know be you don't sing. Patsy Cline. Um, well, any Patsy Cline song, but I guess it has to be one. Is What's it crazy or walking after midnight? Place? And I won because when you won, won that karaoke, <laughs> it was crazy, wasn't it? When there was only two of us, it was crazy. <laughs> and I only won because he was yeah. sick of giving it to the one other person. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was crazy by Patsy Cline. Yes, that's, that's my it. guess. That's um, great. This is you had um, three breakup songs. Whenever, whenever you broke up, <laughs> there were three songs that would get played on a loop. It was crazy by Patsy Cline, Purple Rain by Prince, the long version, and um, you would play that Jewel album that had Save oh, Your Souls. Yeah. Your souls, and you would sit yeah. there listening to Jewel, crying your eyes. <laughs> <out. I know. laughs> oh, oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh, Mama, I, I love used you to so play much. Frank Sinatra a lot when we'd clean the house too. I and Billie Holiday. Yes. And you played a lot of Violet Femmes. I had a. Oh, I yeah. had a. I, I always accredit my eclectic music taste to you because you played a lot of like the classics, a lot of the standards, but then you also played a lot of punk. You played a lot of rock. You played a lot of new wave. And Um, Tammy gets a lot of credit for that too, because she was kind of my, my music guide or whatever, you know, (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm talking too much, but she did, she brought a lot of new music to me that I liked. So, and to me. Um, mom, I love you so much. Thank you you so much for having this conversation with me today. And, um, thank you for having me uh, on your show, honey. I can't wait to see you on Broadway. Well, I'm going to see you in the holiday show first. Can we do one show at a time? (laughs) (laughs) We don't want to skip the holiday show. It's because family tradition. Yeah. I love you so much. And I, yeah. Have a great rest of your day. Oh, thank you, honey. (laughs) I love you. I love you so much. Have a great day, honey. And thanks so much for listening to Hijinks here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday. So make sure to search for Hijinks on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else. And I'll see you next Wednesday for some more. Hi Jinx. M. Oh. M. Mom. To listen to Hi Jinx one day early and ad free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Hi Jinx is produced by Moguls of Media, aka Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, and produced by Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts, executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio. <laughs>